And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com, where we provide you coverage of Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties you cannot get anywhere else. Our intrepid news person is the lovely and talented Linda Stein. Linda, welcome. Thanks, Michael. And so we keep thinking that the political stuff is going to be done and we can move on to other stories, which, of course, we're covering anyway, like the action inside schools, et cetera. And yet politics continues to haunt us. There's a brand new chairman of the Republican Delaware County uh, Party. We're going to talk to Frank Agavino in just a few minutes here on the podcast. And then I saw this amazing research by uh, Athan Kutsarumbas, a uh, notorious uh, political flack. May I call you a flack, Athan? Is that is whatever that too works? Much? <laughs> Who's been looking into the the Republicans' lack of success? First of all, I want to start with this question, Athan. Are you one of the people who acknowledges that the Republicans got their head handed to them in Pennsylvania and most of the other places not named Florida? Yeah, Michael, no doubt about it. Yeah, we can be diplomatic, so I'll be diplomatic. Republicans did not meet expectations <laughs> on, the, on the midterm election. That, that, to put it that's mildly. like that's like saying the Titanic did not meet expectations among the people <laughs> who bought tickets on it. And so what? So and so there are a lot of different reasons. Obviously, the one that's bandied about the most is candidate quality. Before we get to your specifics about how Republicans vote or rather don't vote. What's your do you have an insight about the candidate quality, whether it's uh, state senator Doug Mastriano running for governor or Dr. Oz running for Senate, et cetera? Yeah, Michael, I'll be direct and I wear it on my sleeve. Uh, during the primary, I worked for a candidate by the name of Dave White from Delaware County. Mm-hmm. Dave White would have made a spectacular gubernatorial candidate uh, as a Republican standard bearer, but he did not make it through the primary, along with another nine or 10 other candidates that were filed <laughs> in that primary. And that will tell you most of the story as to where we ended up as a party. Uh, And so uh, before I turn you over to Linda, I want to ask you about what you discovered when you looked at how Democrats versus Republicans cast their ballots. Yeah, you know, Michael, I did a lot of soul searching myself uh, in the hours and days after the midterm because I, like everybody else, thought it was going to be a wave Republican year, and that did not materialize. And there were a series of small things that led to a catastrophe, no different than when a bridge collapses or an airplane crashes. It's not because the wing of the airplane just fell off. It's because first a bolt snaps, then a beam breaks, then a wire gets cut. And it was a series of those kind of failures that led to Republicans, you know, euphemistically underperforming on election day. But the thing that really got stuck with me was the amount of pundits and experts and others out there who were blaming mail-in ballots as the reason for Republicans underperforming. Mail-in ballots are certainly a part of it. Republicans need to start using mail-in ballots like we used to start using absentee ballots. But I wanted to prove the point that mail-in ballots alone are not the reason Republicans lost. We certainly have to compete in order to win. But I just wanted to dig through the data to make sure that my gut instinct was right. And that's what I did. And what did you find? Well, when an individual applies for a mail-in ballot, Uh, They fill out an application, they send it back to their courthouse, the courthouse mails them a ballot, and you mail your ballot back to your county uh, board of elections. And each of those transactions carries the timestamp 
of when a county entered the application into their system, when they mailed a ballot out to a voter, and when the voter returned that ballot. And what I found was pretty eye-opening because I personally had never done a deep dive into how mail-in ballots worked. And what I learned was that nearly two-thirds of all Democratic applications for a mail-in ballot come during the spring, and the remaining one-third come during the fall. And the reason is pretty simple. In our mail-in ballot law, each county is required to mail the prior year's applicant a new application asking if you want to vote by mail again. So what happens is these official taxpayer mailers go to all voters who voted by mail last year, and then the Democratic campaigns do what's called a chase program, where they'll text that voter, they'll send a mail piece, they'll do a digital ad saying, hey, Democratic voter, get yourself re-enrolled to vote by mail. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and then the remaining third that uh, register to vote by mail in the fall, that's just because it's the, the fever pitch of the campaigns. But what was stunning to me is that Pennsylvania has 67 counties. And in 66 of Pennsylvania's 67 counties, Democrats applied to vote by mail at the ratio I talked about, two thirds in the spring, one third in the primary. But there was one county that stood out and that was the county where I was born and raised, Delaware County, where nearly a third of all Democratic vote by mail applicants had their application processed in the summer. And there's two potential reasons for that. Uh, reason number one is the county courthouse potentially sat on applications that were mailed in during the spring, but didn't get to them until the summer. Uh, if that happens, okay, fine. Do I think that's good for a courthouse to sit on applications for four or five months? No, no of course not. The latter, yeah, of course not, right? The latter is that the Democrats had a coordinated campaign as they were knocking on doors to encourage their voters to vote by mail. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay well, for, for someone to do that. Athen, why did you call that ballot harvesting then? Uh, so some people get... Uh, some people have a, an issue with the term ballot harvesting because they presume ballot harvesting connotes illegality. Uh, right, I interpret right. That, I interpret ballot harvesting as somebody going and soliciting a voter to apply to vote by mail. And that's just get out the vote. That's, that's what every party should be doing. That's what every candidate should be doing. Well, to change the subject a little bit, uh, you had also written recently about Generation X, which is 1965 to 80. Yeah. And th they're trending Republican, you said? In terms of why Gen X is becoming a super voter, uh, it's something that happens to most Americans when they reach the age bracket of 40 to 65 years old. Uh, at that point in your life, maybe you have a family, maybe you have a mortgage, you're invested in your community. And when you're invested in your community, you vote more regularly. So my generation that voted sporadically uh, through most of the 2000s, we're now entering the phase of becoming a super voter. The pre-election polling said that Gen Xers with children support Republican candidates by a 30-point margin, which is remarkable. Now, when we look at younger generations, younger generations lean Democrat, but it was only by like a 10-point margin. And baby boomers were evenly split, 50-50. Uh, 
between their supportive Republicans and Democrats. So my generation, Gen X, now leans Republican big time, uh, especially if they have children. So you have to ask yourself, Linda, why? You know, why, why do these families uh, support Republican candidates? And I think a lot of it has to do with the culture wars that families are facing on a daily basis when they send their children to school, when they're going to a playground. I think families are just looking for normal and it's hard to find normal these days. Well, what can Republicans do to keep them in the fold? Well, I think for starters, uh, what used to be an unsexy election, school board elections, are now marquee elections in a lot of communities and encouraging Republicans to run for school board so that our schools focus on educating our children as opposed to assuming the role of parents is a, is a good first step. Um, in, for example, where I live in Upper Bucks County, uh, I'm involved in Republican politics and we had a school board that was 6-3 Democrat and we flipped that school board 7-2 Republican in one election. And that election was about two things. Number one, reopening schools after the pandemic. And number two, we learned that several school board members attended a conference to integrate CRT into human resources and into the curricula. And parents in Upper Bucks wanted no part of it. And I think that that's a, that's a message that I think resonates with parents all across the Delaware Valley. Athen Kutsarumbas, thanks so much for joining us for the podcast. And you gave us the perfect setup to our next guest, who is the newly elected Delaware County Republican Chairman, Frank Agavino. So, uh, Frank, before we talk about your uh, uh, new job as the head of the Delco GOP, uh, we just had uh, Athenon saying that school boards are the place to start revitalizing Republicans, uh, Republican Party. And you have a lot of school board and school election experience. I do. I've been a member of uh, the Springfield School District School Board for uh, over 15 years. I served as president twice, vice president. And now I'm actually treasurer of the board. So uh, definitely have some experience. Would you agree that uh, particularly since COVID, there's been a surge in opportunities for Republicans to connect with parents, uh, whether they're Gen X age parents or the younger parents, because of this new focus on what's happening in classrooms? Is there an opportunity there? Well, I think uh, I think so. But I think there's opportunity for um, common sense individuals. Um, to, to attain some school board seats. I think that's really, you know, my, my community is, uh, you know, a pretty moderate community. And I think there's, it, it, you know, it really depends on where you live. Um, Springfield, uh, while we have seen some changes over the last uh, few years, you know, our, our electorate is moderate, both on the Dem side and the Republican side. And I think it's uh, just looking for common sense individuals to, just look at a situation and, and make a determination whether it's good for kids or taxpayers. Well, Frank, um, I, I, first of all, I wanted to say congratulations on uh, your election to uh, chair of the Delco Republicans. Why did you want to do this? Well, I, I got to interrupt. I gotta, knowing, what county chair, knowing what county chair people have to do, Linda, I have to step in. I, I want to give you my sympathy, Frank. For your new job as a Delco well, chair, you know it's, that's one it's thing an, about it's a uh, thankless job, is my experience. And I, and that's I what I was seen, trying to say there. <laughs> well, you know, um, we started uh, talking about school board, and it's the same kind of thing. You know, people 
told me uh, told me that as well when I first ran for school board. It's a very thankless job, um, and at times it is. But um, you know, we look at the body of work over 15 years. Um, you have an opportunity to really make a difference, and um, you know, same thing. That's that's why right now we're certainly at uh, an inflection point, and while things haven't been great, I, you know, I see opportunity. Um, and that's why I jumped in. I like being part of something that, uh, you know, might need to move in a different direction. Uh, do you agree that Republicans uh, should be embracing the uh, mail-in ballots now? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, you might know I ran for uh, state Senate in this last cycle, and it's something I spoke about from, from the very beginning. Um, there definitely is different groups of Republicans uh, in Delaware County, part of our challenge for sure. Um, and, and I think some folks were just totally anti-mail-in ballots. But I think obviously uh, the Democrats are doing it better than us. And it was something that I cited from the very beginning. We just need to, we need to do it better. And if we really don't like it, and once we win a majority back, then, then we can change it or, or get rid of it. But right now it's here to stay and uh, we need to do a better job with it. Well, given the voter registration numbers, um, you're gonna need independent voters to uh, win. How are you gonna message them? So this is all about messaging and, I, and I've already used the uh, words common sense. Um, you know, again, more of uh, moderate thinking, I think that's where Delaware County is. So we, we um, it's, it's not true anymore that the moderates are leaning in a big way Republican Delaware County. I think they are open to getting to know candidates. And we thought in this past election, they were leaning our way, but the reality was when, when it dust settled that they didn't. So they're again, they're looking for, for, for people that are focused on kitchen table issues, um, you know, the uh, inflation, the cost of things is definitely an item. But also in this past election, it was, uh, you know, abortion was a much bigger issue than, than showed up in the polls. And I think that um, that group in the middle acted on that, on that issue more than we saw coming. So I'm sure you can hear it already, Frank, from uh, people who describe themselves as MAGA Republicans, people who Donald Trump energized and got involved maybe in politics and not been involved before or caused them to change from blue collar Democrats to blue collar Republicans. They are going, here we go again. Squish moderate elitist Frank Agavino taking us back to the bad old days of Mitt Romney and John McCain. What would you say to those Republicans who really are engaged because of whether it's the you know trade and border issue or whether it's the cultural fights with the people who are Republicans because of Donald Trump? Is there room for them in the Delaware County GOP? There's definitely room for them. And I think um, they're moderating too. I, I just spoke at um, um, a Patriot meeting and it, you know, it felt different than uh, the first one I spoke at <laughs> even just 10 months ago. I think some of the luster has come off of Donald Trump. Listen, I'm not embarrassed to say that I'm a small business owner. I voted twice for Donald Trump and he was the best option at that time. Um, he, he did a lot of good things. But um, right now, like I said, his, I think he's waning there. And there's other, there's other alternatives in the Republican Party. And that moderate piece, which is growing in Delco, definitely is interested in, in, in trying something new. And 
Um, you know, I'm not I'm not sure exactly what's happening happening nationally with uh, Trump, but it, it from what I'm seeing and reading, it might not just be a Delco thing. It it, it might be a, occurring across the country. But no, there's, you know, we Republicans have to get back to winning, and I think there's enough of those Trump folks, and I hate to, you know, just uh, classify them in that category, right. but um, you know, they want to get back to winning and. And Republicans still, to me, are the party of common sense, um, you know, fiscal responsibility, quality education, jobs, you know, a common sense energy policy, which we don't have in Pennsylvania, we don't have across the country. It's right. absurd. Um, the policies that we do have, we're just shooting ourselves in the foot. And I think there's a lot of just normal people that are, are, are seeing this. And the Democrats did a good job in this election of painting, you know, guys like me at the, you know, I was at the bottom of the uh, sure. bottom of the ballot as out of touch. And, you know, I, that's, that's what happens when the top of the ticket um, is not doing well. Right. Uh, so uh, I want to ask you about the role that Philadelphia plays in what Republicans can do in Delaware County. Do you see a connection between their struggles with management? In other words, they can't handle crime. You know, it's a tougher place to live. And, and does that give you an, a, an example to work against? In other words, don't let, you know, Philadelphia come to Delaware County. Let's keep, you know, our community, you know, uh, whatever, safe and et cetera. Does that help you? Or is it the case that as, you know, Democrats become more prosperous and aggressive in Philly, their money and messaging, et cetera, spills over into Delaware County. Yeah, it's it's uh, something we haven't been able to figure out as um, especially young people. Mm -hmm. um, they may work in town, you know, they may work at, at Jefferson or UPenn. And it's kind of cool to, um, you know, hang out in the city at, when you're in your mid-20s. And as they have children, they, a lot of those folks tend to look to the suburbs, but yet they want to be close to work. So they don't, move to Chester County necessarily. So Delco is a destination for a lot of folks, but yet they're Democrats when they they leave the city and safety and crime is another reason why they leave the city, but yet they come out to Delco and you know their their politics don't don't change. They don't consider um, switching parties. So that's something we need to to grapple with. But yeah, crime, uh, especially in the border communities like Upper Darby, um, you know, West Philly to Upper Darby, that's a porous border. And it's, it's, so those folks especially are, are concerned. And, you know, uh, we hear about the more heinous crimes, but it's, it's, it's things like getting your, you know, I, when I was going door to door in Upper Darby, one guy told me between him and his wife, he had his car stolen four times in a year. And wow. So, uh, it, it, yeah, it's definitely a concern. And when you say, does it help us? Um, you know, unfortunately, I, I, I think it does. The Democrat Party is not, you know, I was endorsed by the FOP locally. Um, the FOP is concerned about um, the support they're getting from the Democrat Party. And, and Republicans are, and it's, you know, our party in Delco has always done a good job of supporting our law enforcement because it's important. So I think it does help us, you know, we polled like everybody else and crime was um, polling pretty much first or second behind inflation and economics. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, it was that other issue was abortion, which really kind of ruled the day and we didn't see coming.
So I, I don't think you really talk too much about the top of the ticket then, um, Dr. Oz and uh, Doug Mastriano um, affecting the, the other candidates. Um, you couldn't differentiate yourself at all or, or they couldn't? You know, I don't think um, it, it's hard to do because, you know, in a Senate district, it's, it's large, um, pretty much half, half of Delaware County. Um, and, and, you know, we spent a lot of money like you need to do in campaigns. But at the end of the day, you know, we we actually end up beating Doug Mastriano by 12 or 13 points in our district. So folks wow. were, were splitting their were splitting their ballots up. So and, and, and it was concerning because we did do a, a lot of doors, you know, and we were not, and, and every time we it wasn't just Democrat women, it was Republican women, too. And they were very concerned about Doug Mastriano. They thought that he was out of touch. He was scary. He was, uh, you know, his, his abortion views were something that really chased women young and, and, and middle-aged away. But we, we couldn't, the reality was that we didn't do a good enough job on abortion. We kind of, we left it alone and they were able to define us as out of touch. So they took the folks like me at the bottom of the ballot and, and the Democrats were able to lump me in with Doug. We weren't really fighting back because the polls, the polls didn't tell us that we needed to. Uh -huh. but so, the, doors, the doors were telling us we needed to. You know, when so, you spoke to somebody, they, that was high on the list. So I was also gonna ask what you thought about um, Governor-elect Shapiro during the Republican primary was uh, running commercials to support Mastriano's candidacy. Is that kind of dirty pool? No, I don't think it's dirty pool. I think it was smart politics. I mean, if, if it's so hard to be uh, predictatory in politics, right? And I think they saw the situation and they really did a, you know, they did a good job defining um, how it was going to turn out and how it was gonna affect the race. They were much, um, you know, at the end of the day, history will show that they were a step ahead and, and, and we really weren't. So we were hopeful that Doug, that, you know, there was this feeling that um, there was this, you know, the, we referred to them as Trumpers earlier, that, you know, they don't answer polls. When someone calls and asks them something, yeah, they're just, you know, the hell with it. We're not gonna, we're not gonna talk to a pollster. And I think there was this, um, feeling that there's a lot of people out there who support Doug that are going to come come out on election day. They don't vote by mail. They're going to vote in person. And that was going to get us close. We didn't, I don't know that a lot of people thought that Doug would win at the end of the day, but there were a good amount of people that thought that he'd come within, you know, three, four, maybe five points. And if that was the case, a lot of folks like me down ballot and other state rep candidates, um, you know, we had a, we had a, more than a puncher's chance but as it turned out he was he lost by double digits you know 15 across the state you know worse than that in delco and um it's too you you just can't win at the bottom of the ticket when that's going on at the top frank i'm assuming you're in contact with the state leaders for the republicans um are they going to do something different next time if they have like uh, a dozen or so candidates for governor, lieutenant governor, senator, whatever? Are they going to um, well, put, put I, their finger on the scale? Um, I mean, that's above my pay grade. I would 
the feedback that they're getting um, from from all parts of the Commonwealth, I would I would think so. It it clearly didn't work out having uh, nine nine people running for governor. It, it's it just didn't work out. I I think they're getting it and. And, and if you remember, I mean, obviously they they tried to to turn it around, but it was too it was too late in the game, and they they couldn't cut the pool down. Well, let's wrap up with this big picture question, uh, Frank. As you go forward recruiting candidates, whether it's for the row office uh, campaigns or whether it's for state legislature and beyond uh, in 2024, what are a couple of the issues that you're going to urge them to focus on? What's the conversation that Delaware County Republicans should be having? so that they can be competitive uh, in the county? Well, I think there's there's two things. I think every election uh, going forward, and this is for uh, the row offices or, or, or local commissioner races or school board, elections now are much more nationalized than ever. So what does a county council person have to do with um, abortion? Right. Zero. But... <laughs> You better be prepared to speak on it, and people want to know where you are on it, because I, I don't know that the electorate makes that much of a difference anymore as far as um, they don't care. They want to know where you are on virtually right. every issue. So I think that that is something uh, we need to be prepared to talk about. Our candidates need to be able to talk about um, you know the, the issues of the day, whether they're national or local. And locally, I think um, you know we have... Uh, a council that is spending money that we're, is one-time money, which is money left over from uh, COVID, right? And you know, which, which is nice. And there's a lot of it, and we're unsure because it's such a big budget, and it's uh, it's kind of hard to understand at this point. And I know folks are taking a look at it, and it was just just really released. But uh, and I know this from being treasurer of. Uh, you know, our school board, one-time money is not, um, you know, to plug a hole, will come back right. and haunt you. And there's a lot of, you know, initiatives that this council has, but I'm not sure once you stand it up, I don't know what it looks like in three years, five years, 10 years, how you're going to support that staff and, and facilities around whatever you're doing. And there's just, there's, there's a, a lot to understand. So we're, concerned about that. It, it looks like that's what's occurring. So again, preaching fiscal responsibility um, is something that I think whoever uh, runs for the row offices needs to be aware of. And again, just being common sense on issues of the day, I think is what our, what our electorate's looking for. Frank Agavino, thanks so much for joining us here for the Delaware Valley Journal yep. podcast. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, anytime. Nice being here. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.